many times when you jump into a session like this on prayer, uh, it could just get convicting and then you walk away with the fact that you don't pray. Well, that's not what we're trying to do in this session. I'm trying to encourage you. Let's get into this session so we can learn and grow and what it means to uh, draw near to the God who saved us so that he can grow us through us connecting with him in fellowship. Dwight Moody going to England to hear uh, Spurgeon preach. He traveled 4,000 miles to hear him preach, which is a long way to travel to hear anyone preach. So uh, back then, he didn't have the transportation that we had. So 4,000 miles was quite the journey. And inter interestingly enough, when he got there uh, to hear him preach and experience the gathering of the saints and the worship service, um, as powerful of a preacher as we know, Spurgeon to have been the Prince of Preachers, Moody didn't walk away with his preaching. He didn't walk away with his eloquence. He didn't walk away with the number of people that were packed into that great church facility. What he walked away with was his prayer. His prayer. Spurgeon's prayer was so powerful, he said, that it seemed uh, that the power of God hit the room and that heaven came into the room. It was just extremely powerful. And and when you think about it and you think about a ministry like that and a ministry like his and a life like his that a lot of us sort of draw on for years and years and years and years and years, uh, over 100 years now, um, man, we can see that possibly the bedrock of the work that Christ did through that ministry was possibly through prayer. Um, we're on the top of the building of uh, the church that I pastor, Epiphany Fellowship here in Philly, and I can't tell you how many times I've prayed the uh on top of this building for my city you can almost see almost the whole region if we're not well city uh, from up here and and and, and I've, I've prayed hundreds of prayers and thousands of prayers and that and that and as i prayed those prayers i can be honest with you um i believe god used those prayers and impacted lives through those prayers but i'm gonna tell you who was impacted the most through that me it's interestingly enough that we think that prayer is for something extrinsically to be impacted by but really, intrinsically, is where prayer makes its greatest mark, its greatest strength, and its greatest hard work in working in and through us as we pray and come before the living God. It's hard talking about this and not looking at the book of Hebrews. To me, in the book of Hebrews, it's about Jesus, of the whole Bible is, and it points to Jesus. However, there's this undergirding sort of theme of prayer throughout the entirety of the book. The theme of draw near is a huge, huge, huge statement. Draw near is in a lot of ways, but the way uh, the, the writer of Hebrews seems to does it, he anchors it in prayer. Look at what he says about Jesus in chapter five. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became a source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Being designated by God, a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. So this, this passage gives us a sense that Jesus was the ultimate example of what it meant 
to draw near to God as he pursued the passion of saving us by his death and resurrection. And in the midst of that, to walk in obedience to that, how hard would it have been to give your life um, in his humanity, giving his life, even though he's eternally uh, splendid and glorious in his humanity uh, in some way that I don't understand, but without being imperfect, wrestled as he went towards the cross. And the Bible says in prayer, he was perfected. In prayer, God utilized prayer to perfect them and to almost push them towards his goal. It's almost, when you look at the Garden of Gethsemane scene, he, he, he begins to say, uh, Lord, can this cup pass from me? Can this cup pass me? He's wrestling. And then in the midst of prayer, he says, but not my will, but your will be done. That, that, that shows us that prayer isn't us dictating our will to God, but prayer is our alignment with God. And so that's why prayer is important because prayer is the chamber by which uh, the sinner turned saint is able to commune with the living God who uh, was, we have been given access to him uh, through the curtain being torn through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Man, who wouldn't want to make the most of talking to the superstar of the universe? But many of us, uh, like the old hymn say, what peace we often forfeit because we refuse to pray. And I know in my life, it's a wrestle and I have to fight and I have to make sure that I'm committing to it. But as we draw near to God in prayer, this is what's lovely about prayer. As we draw near to God in prayer, he draws near to us. James says, you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. You can even see during the midst of the Psalms, the psalmist will begin uh, a, 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 a psalm of lament, frustrated and angry about some situation that he's going before God to vent about. Then by the end of the psalm, he's praising the name of the, the living God. Why? Because prayer, prayer is a form of worship where we experience the presence of God and we get to draw near to God. And that's what the glory of the gospel gives to us. God, Christ's work on the cross gave most of all to us the ability to have a relationship with God the Father. His death and resurrection brings that. That's why he says in uh, John chapter 17, for this is eternal life that you know God and his only son he sent. So when we talk about having a relationship, people always use the cliche of Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. Uh, well, we can talk through what biblical religion means, but I understand what people mean when we say relationship. And embedded in that reality is really maximizing the relationship that you have with God by talking with him, by communicating with him, and by him communicating to, to you and I through him breaking us, through him challenging us, and through us wrestling with him. Uh, in, 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 our, in our prayer chamber. And, and that's why it's so powerful. That's why even the, the movie War Room resonated with so many people because the, the power of prayer in that movie, it just rocked me um, and, 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 and brought me to my knees. I cried half the movie, to be honest. Um, but, but, but it was helpful for me to be reminded that God does stuff not just out here, out here in the world and in the lives of others, but God is working and willing his glorious good pleasure in us in every single area of our lives as he changes us while we pray things that we don't want to pray. I sometimes, you ever, you ever find yourself in prayer, the spirit of God nurtures your heart in the word of God and, 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 and you begin praying something that you really don't feel like praying but you know it's the will of God for you to communicate it and for you to pray? Guess what we need to do? We need to, we need to pray the things that are on our heart where we, our hearts are broken and frustrated uh, we need to be like Habakkuk and communicate those things. Uh, you look over uh, in Psalm 62, 8, it says, pour out your heart before the Lord. How? In prayer. Communicating and being honest and yet expecting God to change you through prayer. Uh, we as believers have been invited uh, to 
the throne room of God. And, and listen to how the wording that the scriptures use here, Hebrews chapter four, uh, verses 14 uh, through 16, it says, since we have a high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. And in the context of this, it's interesting that it's talking about him as a high priest and how in his humanity, uh, he, was, he had a lot of temptations around him and a lot of opportunities of a presentation of authentic opportunities to sin. But guess what he does? And, and telling, them, telling them he's our high priest and laying this out, look what it says next. It says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Wow. So it's interesting that it would say, let us draw near with confidence. Well, you got to recognize um, this is the book of Hebrews talking to Jewish people. And because of that, they wouldn't have thought of themselves individually without a human mediator through the priesthood to draw near to God on their behalf. And so they wouldn't go just rolling up in God's presence. You know, uh, 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 one king tried to do that one time and he got leprosy immediately uh, in, in the temple. Uh, but, but here, because of Christ's work on the cross, uh, being the only mediator for us now, we can go before God with confidence. Why? Because we've been covered in the blood of Jesus. And, and because we've been covered with the blood of Jesus, chapter 10 will talk about the fact that Christ's blood, we entered the holy place by way of the blood of Christ. What does that mean? Points to the fact that Christ's blood is the red carpet into the presence of God. That's beautiful. So now, because we have the red carpet of the presence of God uh, through Jesus Christ to go into the throne of grace, what does it say? Let us go with confidence. Let us draw near to the throne of grace. It's interesting that this throne is called grace, charis, the throne of charis, the throne of unmerited favor. Wow. God is allowing his throne to be named grace for us. For us, his throne is named grace. That means uh, we don't come in there because we deserve it. We don't come in there because uh, we, we, we've done anything to be there. Actually, we, we, this is weird. We get to come in because we don't deserve it. And because of what Christ has done for us, our lack of ability to deserve it, makes it defined as grace. So if you make a mistake, if you, well, not mistake, sin, let's call it what it is, sin. And if you disappointed the holiness of God for the believer, we, we, we don't have to run from God. The Bible actually says because of Christ's work, because the throne being described as grace, we get to confidently go in even when we've sinned, even when we've blown it. Even when we've destroyed everything and made the worst mishaps in our life, God is near to us even still when we've made our worst mistakes. On our worst day, God is still saying, he's bidding you to come. He's doing like this, come, 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 come in my presence. He, he's saying that here, this is crazy. He says, and then it says, that we may receive mercy. In other words, so that we won't get what we deserve. So in order to not get what you deserve, you gotta come in as a sinner turned saint to the presence of God so that you can experience not getting what you deserve by a throne called grace by a God who distributes grace. And so we get to, this is mind boggling and enjoyable to me as we see this at the end, it says that we may receive mercy and find grace in the time of need. So, wow, 
that that is a powerful man. I I I mean I'm 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 kind of taken aback again every time I just read this passage of just how awesome the God we serve is uh, to bid us to come even when we've made the worst mistake. Some of you are sitting right now. Some of you are standing right now. Some of you I don't know where you are while you're watching this, but some of you are dealing with some mess some destructive things from your past, some destructive things from your present. Uh, and, and, and God, and you haven't talked to God about it because you have this caricature of the man upstairs, standing up, staring, pacing, waiting for opportunity to pounce on you. That's not the God that's being described here. Now, God is a God of wrath. He's a God of wrath, but not for those. The Bible says in uh, Romans chapter uh, five, verse nine, that we've been saved. If you trusted Jesus Christ as your savior, you've been saved from the wrath of God. So now you don't even experience the wrath of God anymore. Now, do you get discipline? Hebrews will talk about that later, but discipline is for your sanctification, boom. So guess what? You get to pray in the midst of getting a spanking. And some of you have basically confused God spanking you and disciplining you because of your sin as him distancing himself from you. But in order to spank somebody, you have to be pretty close to him. And so he's bidding you to come. Why don't you take advantage of, in good times and in bad times, the great shepherd of our souls who is deeply committed to our sanctification? And the way, it's, it's interesting that he keeps saying draw near because the way we grow is not running from God. We're called to run bull's eye towards our great God and Savior. So use prayer as one of the maximum tools for sanctification. Because my belief is, based on Hebrews, is that prayer is probably the foremost means that unlocks all of the other means of grace through Christ's work on the cross and resurrection on our behalf by the power of the Spirit. To un that's, that's how we get unleashed. That is how we get unleashed. So why wouldn't you run to the one that takes the shackles off of you? in prayer. My prayer for us is, is that we would pray and that we would see it as a unique and key tool for transforming us and drawing near to God, yet transforming us through the power of the gospel. God utilizes prayer through our access to him, through Jesus Christ, to draw near to him, to not just change the world, but to change us. Because if he changes us, guess what? The world will be changed. One major thing that happened to me was um, I have a I hope I have a sibling who I had who did not know Christ who took his own life um, a few years ago five years ago he was my closest sibling and he was in prison also so I mean I was already broken by that and then to have you know a suicide. Um, for two years, I walked around in, you know, the, in anguish, and that's when I really, really, I would say, I mean, I was a Christian before that, but I got to know the Lord very deeply. You know, he's the man of sorrows. When I was in my 20s, um, well, I mean, I had a conversion experience, so-called, right? 
and I was married to someone, I got married, and I was married for 10 years, and it was a bad marriage. It was an, an abusive marriage, and uh, I forsook Christ, and it's a long story, but I went for two decades, I would say, into academia, you know, uh, philosophical worldviews, um, very godless lifestyle and life in terms of the mind. Out of nowhere, I got this loneliness for Christ. And I went to a church, and it was very interesting because it was a black Baptist church. I was the only white person in there, but it was because the only person I knew as a Christian was a brother that took me to his church. So, um, and I started to hear the gospel, and I started to be drawn. So for me, what, what, how do you talk about a conversion when you have that? It's just, but you see why I'm broken by the grace of God, because, you know, I was uh, granted repentance. He's given me profound joy. Um, I don't know if victory, I don't think, uh, to me, that's kind of triumphalistic in a sense. I, I, he's filled my inner being. The victory is, he is, he's the victory. He's, you know, ultimately his purposes will stand. Um, we're in going through all this that we go through, but he's sovereignly in control. But inside my heart is joy that's, it's not, it's deep. It's so deep. It's the deepest thing I know, to know Christ, to walk with him in this world. Um, yes, there's a lot that we mourn and, and uh, so forth, but um, the joy of, when I worship here and I look around and I see what he's done, I can barely contain it. As you can see, prayer is key to our sanctification. And then going through the book of Hebrews, hopefully you see some little nuggets in there that can help you to draw near to God and be encouraged to do that. Don't just walk away convicted about prayer. Go on and get into prayer. Blessings to you.